Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, Sessions Falls. Also, the B-Team takes a look at herd immunity. And Governor Kay Ivey issues a mask ordinance. Some people aren't happy. Kids are, kids are unhappy. So am I. <laughs> Stooges? Crybabies? Both? All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Josh Moon, investigative reporter for APR and columnist. Also, Susan Britt, my constant companion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Um, interesting, uh, for uh, probably over a month or so, you've been calling for Governor Kay Ivey uh, to issue a statewide mask ordinance and uh, this week she did just that and it is because susan the covid 19 cases have skyrocketed because people are not following the basic guidelines of wearing a mask in public washing their hands social distancing blah 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 it's just not happening so she issued the statewide mask ordinance and immediately there was blowback from every conservative corner of the state. But first off, we might want to talk just a second about businesses now, and Josh, you brought this up many times, businesses now can hold people to the mask order. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really key part of this. And I think other states that have, that have done, uh, have implemented mask ordinances, uh, that's, that's something that their businesses really appreciate because they, they're wanting to do this, uh, but they're facing this blowback and they don't have the means to require it legally, I guess. And so you get into all of these arguments with people and, and people acting a fool uh, because they don't want to put on a, a stupid mask and it's a you know a violation of their rights, much like putting on pants uh, is. Uh, but, you know, so I, I just I think it, it covers those people who have wanted to do this for a long time, wanted to protect their employees, wanted to have a, a means to say, listen, I, you know what? I don't I don't have a choice here. I've got to do this. You're going to have to put on this mask before you can come in or you just can't you can't come in. Uh, and I think people who have traveled to other areas of the country where these mask ordinances have been in place, uh, the stores are are much more serious about this. They are much more serious about, about requiring you to put on a mask, limiting the number of people in those stores. And I think you'll see it as help. Look at the numbers in Montgomery. Look at those numbers in Montgomery right now. They're in half of what they were uh, after they implemented that mask ordinance in the city of Montgomery. Yeah, and Susan, the thing is, they, they keep saying that this is unconstitutional mm -hmm. and that is just not so. I mean, under Alabama code section 22-2, Dash 14, it says a health order must be followed or it comes with a misdemeanor and a fine of up to $500. And Governor Ivey made that clear, but she also said, well, we 
can't really enforce it, but no. it, it's no, 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 there's no law against it. There's no law against it, but I mean, just common sense, people. I heard somebody today calling it tyranny. <laughs> I'm like, tyranny? Yeah. Really? I mean, it, it's just the thing to do. We've got to get these numbers slowed. It, 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 it's increasing at way too fast of a pace. This is something simple, something easy. And believe me, there are former legislators out there that are saying, well, this should have been a legislative move and this and that and the other. Stop it. Stop. No. The governor said put on a mask. We I didn't mean, listen the first time she went. As, as one of our reporters said the other day, she had to go out in the yard and get a switch and say, now you're going to wear it or I'm going to well, wear it out. The thing is for me, it's like, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service. That's a health ordinance, mm -hmm. right? You cannot go topless. You cannot run topless down the streets of Atala. You know, if, if you're a woman, you probably shouldn't be able to if you're a man. These are just basic rules that we have in place. There's nothing to it. But, I mean, Tommy Tuberville came out and said he was against it. That's a leader uh, for you. You know, several other legislators and several uh, sheriffs have now come out and said they won't enforce it. Is this some kind of tough guy thing now, Josh? Do you have to be tough? I'd say Trump has started wearing a mask, people. No, I mean, well, just a little bit. It, it, no, it's, it's some kind of a stupid person thing is what it is, okay? That's what it is. It really is. It, it is an IQ test that we have implemented here. And the people who are on the other side of this thing are, are some of the dumbest that we have in our society. Uh, it, you look at the numbers. You look at what happens when you implement this thing, and it makes it safer. We can go about our business. We can have football in the fall, for God's sakes. If you'll just put on a mask and go out in public and behave yourself. And I'll tell you this, what, what would be really funny to me, is to know how many of these people who are shouting tyranny over having to put on a mask for 15 minutes while they're in Walmart were totally in favor of a sagging pants ordinance uh, to ban saggy pants a, a few years ago, you know? I uh, believe that, the one I'm referring to would have done just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Well, Walmart simply implemented a, a, a nationwide, you have to wear a mask to go into Walmart, several other retailers have. I want to move on here and talk about uh, Senator Dale Marsh, who, who has said that he, he doesn't wear a mask. He, he had to wear a mask to he go to a meeting can. with Governor Ivey, but he doesn't wear a mask. He said that he wanted to see more people infected with the disease so that we reach herd men, mentality, immunity. immunity, herd immunity. We already got and, herd mentality, my man. Yeah, I was yeah, about to say, that. they're already used to I that. Mean, That's why it's so easy to roll One of his tongue. Senate colleagues, one of his state Senate colleagues is in mm -hmm. uh, the hospital and ICU fighting for his life. Mm -hmm. And he was the one, one of the ones that yelled, open up, open up, open up. And now he is in ICU fighting for his life. And we hope nothing bad happens to him. Certainly But not. again, if this doesn't make it real for Mr. Marsh, I don't know what does. But Josh, the numbers to reach herd immunity in Alabama are astronomical. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't cite the, the governor of Mississippi very often, especially in matters of math. Uh, but uh, Teddy Reeves had a, uh, had, had a pretty good string of tweets the other day that kind of broke down what they would have to reach in that state, which is very similar to Alabama. Uh, and if you look at the numbers of people in the hospital currently, uh, with the numbers that we have tested positive, uh, you know, wh where we would have to get to into the millions of people uh, to reach herd immunity, it would overrun our hospitals. It would have tens of thousands of people dying uh, in this state just to reach that level when the alternative is putting on a damn mask for 15 minutes while you're in Walmart. 
let me make sure that we understand the numbers here, people. 3,340,000 people would have to be infected, which would result in 75,460 deaths. Do I need to make this any clearer? How, how many be of your family members... Yeah, and, and how many of your family members do you want in that $75,000 number? I mean, that's the thing. To reach herd immunity, you have to get between 60 and 70% infected mm -hmm. at the rate that people are dying now, which is about 2.2% right. of those infected die, we would have 75 plus thousand dead right. Alabamians. You know, it, so would we're gonna more, it would be more than so, that because you, you, you'd cover up all the ICU beds. Yeah, you're true. We're gonna have to hold it right there. You're watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. Fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. With coronavirus spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You are at higher risk if you're over 65 or if you have an underlying medical condition like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, stay six feet or two arm lengths away from others. Better yet, stay home if you can. The choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is our producer, Jonathan Barbie. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, hey y'all. Good to see you. It's been, it's been months. It's been too long. It, yeah, it has. Well, one of the things you do other than produce this show is you selectively, selectively work on political campaigns. And you uh, worked on very more successful congressional campaign. Uh, I know that at his victory party, he he went on about you and how it wouldn't have been possible without your hard work. And of course, we know what kind of good work you do. But I tell you, I got to think back, Jonathan, in 2010, when Barry Moore was elected to the state house, if you looked around at the newly elected house and senate, Barry Moore wouldn't have been the first guy to come to mind that would rise to higher office. And if you look at it like Mike Hubbard and, and Dale Marsh and even John Merrill, who was in that, uh, that, 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 that group, I mean, Barry has risen higher than any of them. It's been amazing. 
It, it, it has. Honestly, if you watch, watch his career and everything he's been through, and he'll be first to tell you, you know, he went through all that in 2014 that changed his life. And he said, you know, his calm demeanor, I think, is kind of what keeps him going through. And when you get to know him, he's kind of a, he's, he's kind of a quiet and reserved person. But when you see him, he's not a guy you'd think, hey, this is our next congressman here. But he said that he lets his faith lead him and he just watches everything that goes on, doesn't get real involved on either side. He just said that what he does is he does what's right. He votes the way that he feels. He prays about it. And somehow that has led him through quietly to rise in the ranks. And he, you know, the other thing is he runs a real positive campaign. I will tell you that there, there's not ever a minute where he wants to say or do anything negative. I mean, he's very careful what he says about his opponent. Uh, and if he does say anything, he makes sure it's for sure just about the record or an issue that may rise. And I think that that's what's helped him get there is by not being negative. Well, it's interesting, uh, you know, businessman Jeff Coleman had lots of the proper endorsements. Uh, had a lot of he, money. He had a ton of money. And yet the campaign bested him by 20 points. I mean, that's really almost unprecedented to see a primary election. I mean, they were very close in the uh, in the in, in, in the prime, original primary, but the runoff was not even close. It wasn't even in the same ball, ball it game. Was not, it was not. It was amazing. I'm going to tell you, I was amazed. He was amazed. It, it was it was shocking. We we had poll numbers leading up to the primary election, and in those poll numbers, um, we saw for about two weeks a, a shift, and we started seeing we were five points ahead, seven points ahead. And then the last one, 10 points ahead. And we were kind of unbelievable seeing those numbers. We we're like, are we sure? Are we sure? And then when the election happened, it was 20 points. We were, we were all shocked. But I will say yeah. this. Jeff Coleman outspent uh, Barry, you know, 10 to 1 with money for a long time. And we had Club for Growth that endorsed us and House Freedom Caucus. And those guys did their thing. And it really helped the campaign. It really helped. Yeah, yeah. And I think the people saw that. They also learned a lot about Jeff Coleman, too. Well, I think it was a, it, it's turned out to be a very interesting race. I, I, even I up to the last minute, people, people were saying, saying this is going to be close. It wasn't even close. Was uh, another close. race that, uh, you know, was kind of nip and tuck and turned out and did fine in the end was Bill Hightower, and, uh, who faced in the first district Jerry Carl. And, and Bill Hightower's backed by Club for Growth. They didn't give him as much money, but they gave him some money. But uh, Carl, you know, it was a, a, a good race. It wasn't a blowout. It was a good race, and, and Carl uh, uh, won that thing. You, you watched that. You know the folks that ran those campaigns. What, what did you learn from it? What I learned from it is, is Hightower kept, kept a steady pace, um, and in the last three weeks of the race, the numbers were really neck and neck. And, and from the polls that we heard and saw from some groups, Hightower was always a couple of points ahead of Carl. It was always neck and neck. But what did that race is, is when, what did that race in is when Bradley Burns stepped in and endorsed Jerry Carl. That, that drew about three points away, two to three points. And then a couple of days before the election, Sheriff Mack uh, from Baldwin County endorsed Jerry Carl. And that, that secured basically that four-point lead, uh, and then they just kept that lead through the end. But they both ran hard campaigns. 
Carl worked to get a lot of endorsements. And I think his trick was he waited more to the end to start telling his endorsements closer to the race. So people remembered that. And But they both ran a great campaign. Both good candidates. Uh, you know, I, I, I would hate to think we that's the last we hear of Bill Hightower. Uh, of course, the marquee race was uh, former U.S. attorney and, and former Senator Jeff Sessions versus coach Tommy Tuberville. Another blowout. It really was. Um, Jeff Sessions tried hard. Um, in my opinion, at one point, you know, he just kept trying to align himself with Trump. And I think that path for this election was the wrong path. I mean, he had already basically been uh, told by Trump, I, I don't want you here. And Trump told the people, I don't like Sessions. I think Sessions would have been better running his race on I'm Jeff Sessions. I'm, I'm more of a middle of the road Republican. I think he might have done better at that point and gained some ground. But Tuberville aligned himself with Trump. Um, he got an endorsement from Trump. Uh, he worked hard. Club for Growth spent a lot of money. Um, and he had a lot of other packs that got in and spent a lot of money. And he did some great fundraising. Uh, and Coach Tuberville just has a name. You know, Auburn has a big following. And, um, you know, he had a lot of turnout. Even Tuscaloosa turned out for Coach Tuberville. And they ran a great campaign the whole time. Uh, Coach Tuberville went from town to town on his bus, and he never stopped. And I think Jeff Sessions just – he could not get the ground in this state because of the whole Trump issue. And in my yeah, opinion, yeah. he would have been better to run on just Jeff Sessions. Well, I mean, he was always uh, extreme right, uh, and, and a lot of President Trump's policies are actually Jeff Sessions' policies. But I think, you know, it, 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 I, I told someone the other day, in Alabama, it's faith, football, and politics. And uh, Coach Tuberville checked every one of those boxes. So it, and, and then the president's endorsement kind of sealed it. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Congratulations on your big win. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Love you too, man. Love you too. Bye. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama. Activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at asdd.com. A lot can change in five years except those smile lines you treated with Bellafill. Because that's about how long Bellafill will keep them smooth and filled. Five years. Now you can always look your best without all those injections, appointments, and costs. Bellafill is the only dermal filler that stimulates and maintains collagen growth long-term. Now time is on your side. What are you doing today? Um, pleasant game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a half on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. 
A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Only a little over 600,000 people showed up for this primary runoff election. Susan, that's pitiful. That's pitiful. I mean, do you, you know, in the, the, the special election in 2017 where uh, Doug Jones faced Roy Moore, almost 1.3 million people voted. And yet here is an election to nominate uh, a U.S. senator uh, on the Republican ticket. Only 600,000 plus people showed up and two congressional seats and some other races. What do you think? I think some of it has to do with the COVID numbers. I really do. Uh, I know that our precincts here were, were a little low because people are afraid. Uh, it may be because it's in the middle of July. Uh, people weren't really thinking about it being a runoff. But how heated these races were really makes me wonder because it, it makes me wonder if it's not just COVID. Yeah. I mean, Josh, one of the things is, and we're still trying to fight this, is in November we're going to have a mess. and probably low turnout that may help some with some candidates and hurt others. But the problem is the mail-in ballot situation is ridiculous. I, we just tried this. We tried calling various uh, courthouses to talk to the registrars over the two week period before the election when you could still get a mail-in ballot. We could not get through. The lines were busy day after day, hour after hour. So if you didn't have internet or you didn't go by the courthouse, you didn't get a mail-in ballot. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and I'll say, I think part of the uh, you know, the problem there with the, with the low turnout uh, is the fact that you had uh, two candidates that were uh, pretty unexciting and, and ran a race essentially based on them saying how much they love Trump. Uh, you know, not to mention the guy that won was from Florida. Uh, and so, you know, it just you is can't like, hold that against him. Well, I mean, I can't. Uh, and so it's a, uh, but no, you're right. It's the the mail-in ballot situation is ridiculous. If you look at mail-in at mail-in voting, it's no different than, than absentee voting. The process is exactly the same. The only difference is, is you don't need uh, to make up some phony excuse like people have been doing for years. So they don't have to actually go in somewhere and vote. Instead of pretending that you're going to be out of town that day, you just Tell them, hey, send me the ballot in the mail and let me go through all the steps that I've been going through here. Uh, So, you know, and then there could be some concessions made as well for some of those rules to accommodate people that can't get out of the house, that can't go and get their license copied, that can't go and do these things. Uh, There have to be some other uh, ways to go about that. But our Secretary of State and some others have been completely resistant to that because voting by mail is uh, it, it will up the Democratic turnout and they don't want that. Well, I think one of the things, and this may take legislation to change it, but if they are going to have a special session before the November election, I would recommend that they look at what they have done to disenfranchise voters and open it up to mail-in ballots. I mean, there are just people out there that do not want to get out in this. And, and they should make, mm-hmm. the voting should be the easiest thing you ever do as an American. There is no, no history of voter fraud that amounts to a hill of beans, no. and yet they, they say there's voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud. You know, you can go in some states, you show up at the poll, 
and you just go, my name is Bill Britt. And they go, oh, hey, Bill Britt, hi, Dern. And then next thing you know, you're voting, right? And well, that's how it works. I mean, the way it was in this state for years now was, you know, you had uh, about 25 different forms of ID that you could bring, including water bills and power bills and fishing licenses and things like that, uh, that didn't necessarily have to have your, your photo on those things. And so you would show up to the polls and you would vote. And in, in 25 years prior to today, there was one instance of voter fraud and it involved a sister stealing her, uh, her sister's uh, ID and taking it to the polls to vote, which none of the laws would have stopped anyways. So yeah. th those things work because nobody is stealing individual votes in that manner. Now, where you're going to want to stop this is in the in the beginning when people are stealing these ballots, and, and if you have ballot, uh, better ballot protection uh, instances there, then you're going to you're going to be able to to stop all of the fraud. But you're never going to be able to claim fraud is why you're not doing mail-in voting because it's no, it, 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 stealing large volumes of, of ballots yes. or stuffing ballots that is hardly done anymore the way mm -hmm. it's done. But I remember you and I walked into our office, uh, onto the porch of our office one time, and there were ballot boxes, the ones that had just, that never got counted. Yeah. Uh, was just crazy. I've got about two minutes here, and I want to get to this. So this now is a race certain. Uh, Current Senator Doug Jones, who is a Democrat, will face mm -hmm. a Republican uh, Tommy Tuberville in November. And I was asked the other day, is there a path for Doug Jones? And Susan, I think there is, but it's a narrow one. It's a narrow one because Alabama still has the straight ticket voting. Right. Uh, and most people in Alabama don't know that if you can straight ticket and then you can cross over and one it'll count, you know, over to the Democrat one side or vice versa and it will cancel out the Republican vote for that. Um, but still, if Doug Jones had an R behind his name, it'd be a whole lot easier, but I, I just, I, I, I see it's hard to beat that straight ticket voting. Josh, you're much more tapped into the Democratic side of things. What, what are you hearing out there? Yeah, I, I, well, the, the straight ticket hurts, uh, you know, and, and that's a hell of a way to lose. Uh, it's a hell of a way to lose to somebody by saying, we have no reason not to vote for you other than the fact that you don't have this name behind you, or this, this letter yeah. behind your name. Uh, and because anybody who goes down, if you looked at the actual marked ballots, people that took the time to research candidates, uh, go out and, and vote for, for whoever they think best fits their interest, uh, Doug Jones is going to win that uh, against Tommy Tuberville. Those, uh, it's, that's, I, don't, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever. I think that he's up on Tommy Tuberville. I think if, they had, if Tommy Tuberville is stupid enough to debate him, uh, then he's going to kill him. Uh, and, that, and that's just you know, the, the fact of the matter, that's why Tuberville's never going to debate him. But if you look at, at where we are in this state with straight ticket voting and lining it up by teams, that's where Doug Jones is going to lose his. If you look at every measure of a senator, of every measure that you want out of a senator, Republican, Democrat, doesn't make, forget all that. You measure him up the way you want. And Doug Jones would be the choice in this race for everybody in this state. And I, it just is a, it's a simple fact. The problem is there are a lot of voters who just do not care. They just, they like the name, they like the Republican moniker, and so that's how they vote. Mm -hmm. Well, we're gonna have to leave it right there. This past week, we lost a legend in the Alabama State House. Ron Johnson passed away. Ooh. Mm -hmm.